Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My guest today is Dana Haynes. She's a licensed clinical social worker and a senior primary therapist in the Adolescent DBT program at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in Morristown, New Jersey. Today, Dana and I talk about two distress tolerance skills that parents can teach their kids to help them regulate their emotions when they're really upset. I know you are a little nervous about doing this today, so I have some icebreaker questions that I'm going to ask you to help you feel a little more relaxed. Okay. okay. Are you ready? I think so. All right. Who do you plan on voting for in the upcoming presidential election and why? (laughs) This is supposed to relax me. (laughs) (laughs) No, just kidding. But I do do have some, some fun icebreaker questions for you. Okay. And they get progressively weirder as we go. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. And just remember that this is going to be on the internet, so you're going to have the wrath of the internet con- to contend with. Oh my god. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So you're, this is your first question. So okay. just rank in order from best to worst, pancakes, waffles, French toast. Go. French toast, pancakes, waffles. French toast is the best, pancakes, second best, waffles, third best. Yeah. Yeah, I actually my my answer would have been pretty similar. So get ready because the other ones that I have for you are way weirder than that. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, I know that what we wanted to talk about today primarily was kind of what skills parents can teach to their kids to help them regulate their emotions, right? So maybe do you just want to tell us a little bit about what skills are, why they're important, that kind of thing? Yeah, for sure. So in DBT, which is the modality I work within, Mm -hmm. we really focus on giving kids skills and giving parents skills because some of us are are born maybe with a little bit, you know, more naturally, we might be regulating our emotions. We might be observing how we feel. We might be, you know, already having self-soothe built into us. But Mm -hmm. for a lot of us, we're not taught that and we need to learn it. So the DBT skills kind of give us a language to be able to talk about how to, to bring our emotional temperature down. I think it's a good analogy, right? So think you just said bringing your emotional temperature down. So mm-hmm. can you just kind of explain what that means a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things we start with teaching kids and families is subjective units of distress. So zero to a hundred, like it's kind of like a thermometer figuring out like, when you're at a zero, there's no distress, you're totally relaxed. And then, you know, maybe around a 50, moderate anxiety, a little bit uncomfortable, a lot of us live around there a lot of the time. But then 70, 80, 90, 100, you know, when you're that high up, you know, you're you're totally dysregulated, high anxiety, you can't even really think straight. So we try to conceptualize it as a thermometer for our kids and, and families, so they can kind of start gauging where they're at on it. And depending, you know, on who you are, you know, your what you might feel like at a zero might be different, you know, from one person to another. But basically, also depending on where you're at on that thermometer, that scale, you're going to need different skills, like different skills are going to be effective at a, you know, 100 than at a 20. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So if we're thinking about this in terms of a thermometer, certain skills are going to work better for you if you're on the lower end of that scale. So if I'm at a 10 or a 20 or a 30, 
I may have to use one skill, whereas if I'm at an 80, 90, and 100, I might have to use another skill. Exactly. Particularly at 80, 90, 100, you can't really use the sort of reasoning types of skills. Um, you need really to just calm your nervous system down when you're that high up on the thermometer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important for it's really important for parents and, and kids to get to know each other's thermometers too. So like, what does it look like when your kid is at a 70? And, and to notice when they're going from 50, 60, 70, so that you can kind of help bring them down before the, they're totally intense. And the same, you know, same for, for them to understand that, you know, you're human too. And parents also have the same scale and that they work to sort of bring themselves down and modulate it. Yeah, totally. No, that, that's a great point. Because we actually brought this up on one of our previous podcasts briefly. You had talked about if you're on the higher end of that scale, you're not really going to be able to think your way out of it. You're not going to be able to use like the more logical side of your mind, right? So if you're at like maybe a 70, 80, 90, you're not going to be able to stop and think, well, you know, let me just take a step back and think about this logically. It's going to be more like you have to use some kind of skill to calm yourself down, to calm your nervous system down before you can sort of get to that point. So I just think that's an important distinction too. Like certain skills are probably going to require that you're able to use that more logical side of your brain. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. They're a little bit more complex and Mm -hmm. require you to be a little bit more regulated before you can actually use them effectively. So why don't we just jump in? And I kind of want you to think about it like this. If you could teach parents out there three or four skills that they can teach to their own kids to help them regulate these emotions, what skills would they be? So do you just want to hit me with number one? All right, the number one skill that I like to start with that I think is really essential, it's a starter skill, is the stop skill. The stop skill, S-T-O-P. S-T-O-P. You can envision a red stop sign, Mm -hmm. um, and the stop sign, it's a a distress tolerance skill, and it really helps with slowing us down, impulsivity. It is an acronym. There are a lot of acronyms. It's part of DBT, lots of acronyms in DBT. The T, taking a step back. You might really literally take a step back from the situation, take a break, go into the other room. You might take a deep breath. But the idea is to, to stop, take a step back so you don't act impulsively. And then the O is going to stand for observe. So you're really going to mm-hmm. observe what's going on inside, you know, internally, any sensations you're experiencing, thoughts that are coming up, feelings, and then also observing externally. So it's kind of like a mindfulness moment. And then the P is for proceeding mindfully. So this is where you act with awareness, you weigh the pros and cons, you ask your, you know, the deepest part of yourself, like what actions will make this better or worse. So um, it's basically the stop skill creates a space between whatever impulse you might have and the action you're about to take. And then, you know, you might start with the stop skill and then you might want to decide, okay, what coping skill am I going to use next to deal with whatever is happening? Okay, so I'd imagine that this kind of falls into that category we were talking about in terms of you're probably going to use a skill if you're at like an 80, 90, 100. Am am I right about that? That is absolutely correct. (laughs) Okay. Yep. And like you said, DBT is very heavy on the acronym. So yes, yes. Let's let's break this down a little bit. The S stands for stop, which like (laughs) you said, means literally just stop what you're doing. Yep. Okay. T is for take a step back, which means take a break. So try to kind of remove yourself from whatever the situation is. Is that right? Exactly. So it could even be you're on a phone call and 
you're starting to get really upset and you might say something you regret, you put the phone on mute or you say, oh, I have another call, you know, just something to just get yourself a break from whatever is going on to give yourself a little bit of space. Okay. So giving yourself a little space. Observe. This one was interesting to me. So this is essentially like a mindfulness moment. So you said thinking about what's happening inside of you as well as what's happening around you. So to me, the way that I'm kind of interpreting that is what feelings are going on for me right now? How intense are those feelings is sort of like the what's happening inside of you or maybe what's my thought process right now. And then taking stock of what's happening around you is more like what is going on in this situation that's maybe making me feel this way? Is that how I should be thinking about this or is it kind of different? That's pretty much it, but not as advanced as what is making me feel this way. Okay. Because that's going to be a more advanced. That's when you're regulated mm, at a true. 40. We can kind of, let's, you know, kind of be non-judgmentally curious about what just happened. But I think when you're just observing, you're really just kind of noting, like I, my heart is racing. My dog is standing next to the garbage pail. There is trash everywhere. You know, like you're mm -hmm. kind of just noting what's going on in, in the surroundings um, without trying to analyze it. Okay. And again, this is very much in line with like mindfulness and grounding skills, just noticing what's happening for you in that moment, not trying to analyze anything. Yep, exactly. Okay. It's a great question. How am I doing so far with the stop skill? You're doing great. <laughs> okay, but I forgot what the P stands for. So help me out. <laughs> okay, that's proceed mindfully. So P is proceed mindfully. And you said what actions will make this better or worse? So is this sort of like, hopefully at this point you kind of realize what's going on for you and then you make a decision about how you want to handle that situation? You do, but again, sort of similar to the, oh, the observe, we don't want to do this in too advanced of a way. The idea mm -hmm. here is really to just like figure out very basically, like will it be effective if I yell back or will it be effective if I say, you know what, I'm going to go take a shower right now and put a pause on this. So you're not problem solving at this point. You're just proceeding mindfully, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. You're really just trying to create space between your urges when you use the stop skill. You're just trying to stop so that you can get yourself calmed down. Okay. One of the things that I always say about therapy to clients or even in terms of just like my own understanding of like behavioral therapy I feel like so much of it is just helping people build a second or two of space in between sort of the emotion that they're feeling and what action they take. I'm kind of thinking about this skill as that second or two where you're just kind of stopping, you're trying to take stock of what's going on around you, and that's sort of your second or two before you proceed with whatever, whatever action you're going to take. Exactly. And and over time, using the stop skill over and over again, pausing over and over again, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of like in some anger management skills training, they might teach you to, you know, count back from 10 before you respond to something. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's just creating that space. And the language here is just the stop skill for it. But the more and more you do it, the more you're really building your, your impulse control muscles. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So is there anything else we should say about the stop skill before we kind of move on? I don't think so. I mean, we could just throw in there that the stop skill is easier said than done. You know, it's, it's yeah, very, yeah. Uh, it sounds really basic. It's like, oh, I'm just stopping. But, you know, we have to really notice that we need to stop. 
I guess one thing I should ask you, would you have any tips there in terms of how a parent might be able to teach their kids this stop skill? A really great way to teach a skill is to model a skill. And I know you've talked about modeling in in recent episodes of of your podcast, Mm -hmm. um, but I really think modeling it and and that might be, all right, mom is going to use the stop skill right now. I'm I'm envisioning a stop sign and talking your kid through your process Mm -hmm. can be really, really powerful. A lot of times, you know, I've heard a lot of tension arise in homes where a parent is, you know, saying, you know, you need to use this skill <laughs> and, you know, well, why don't you use the skill and why well, I'm already using it. And then it can, can kind of feel shaming. So to really just say, you know, I use skills too. And even if you might use this skill and you might not have called it the stop skill, you're like, oh, I just naturally do that. Still putting language to it and showing your kids that you do it mm-hmm. can be a really effective way to, to get them to buy into it. All right. So a really quick recap of this skill, the stop skill, it stands for stop take a step back, observe, and proceed mindfully. That's right. And you can Google it. You can look this up. It's all over. You know, you can watch YouTube videos about it. And again, this this would be one of those skills that we would probably use if someone's emotions were very, very intense. The other thing to note, though, is that it's great to practice these skills when you're at a lower intensity so that you know kind of how to do the steps. No, that's a great point. All right, should we move on to the second skill? Yeah, let's do it. Hold on, before we do that, I have another icebreaker question. Oh, good. Okay, our interstitials. I'm ready. I'm telling you, now is the point where they get much (laughs) more interesting. (laughs) Okay. All right, here we go. You're now a professional wrestler. What's What's your wrestler name and what's your theme song? Oh, my goodness. I need to call my, my husband in. He's obsessed with wrestling. Um, okay, my wrestler name, how about Lulu? Very intimidating. <laughs> and my theme song, God, you're really putting me on the spot here, Andy. This is like really opening me to a lot of judgment. It's got to be something by Drake. Oh, yeah, maybe started from the bottom. <laughs> started starting from the bottom. Started from the bottom. Oh, see, I don't even. I couldn't you even name even one that? Drake song <laughs> if you paid me. Um, all right, Lulu, and you would walk out to start. Started from started the bottom from the by bottom. Drake. That, that is so embarrassing. Please it don't sound like definitely the most intimidating wrestler of all time. Well, I'm really small, by the way. I'm very petite, so it's kind of okay. All right, Lulu. <laughs> Let's hear skill number two. So the the second skill is TIP, Mm T-I-P-P, and it's another acronym within the the DBT skills that we we teach um, in our adolescent program. And the first letter T stands for temperature. We're going to tip the temperature. You're going to tip your body chemistry a little bit here. So this is where you want to get really, really cold ice water and use that to help you calm down quickly. You can do this a few different ways. You can use ice packs. You can fill you know, a Ziploc bag with ice water. You can get a, a bowl of water and put ice in it and, and cold water. You can do this a few different ways. And the idea is that when you dip your, your face into really cold water or you put these ice packs all over you, 
you're going to engage your parasympathetic nervous system, which lowers your heart rate. So basically when you're dysregulated, your fight or flight system is activated and we want to calm that system down a little bit. So tip can do that. The T and tip temperature can do that very quickly. So it's a really good kind of starter skill, similar, similar to stop to get you regulated a little bit quickly. So to me, this sounds like, like a mind hack almost (laughs) where instead of thinking your way into physically feeling better, you're doing something physical to lower your heart rate, which then in turn kind of starts to calm you down. This isn't really have anything to do with our thought process here. This is more like we're changing something physically to help our body chemistry calm us down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and that's so important because when you're really dysregulated, as I, I mentioned earlier, you can't think straight. You're cognitively impaired. So mm-hmm. we need to physically calm ourselves down. You know, anxiety is so physical for a lot of people and for, for all of us. I mean, there's a, you know, your heart's racing. There's a lot of physiological responses occurring when you're, you're in an anxious or distressed state. Sure. So treating those physiological responses first can help you um, emotionally and cognitively after the fact. Okay. So that's temperature and we still have three more letters in this acronym. So go for it. So we're on I. So then the I in TIP stands for intense exercise. This is similar where you're, again, engaging your physical being and you might do some kind of intense aerobic exercise here. So you might, I don't know, do jumping jacks. You might go for a run, run in place, just something to get your heart rate up here. That can help too if you're in a more like a lower, like more dissociated state and kind of feeling really low and just kind of tipping your body chemistry in a, in a way that activates it can be helpful. But even if you're dysregulated um, and your heart's racing, it might still help to just do some jumping jacks and just engage yourself physically to, to have a different outlet for that energy. Again, you're doing something physical to kind of get that neurochemical process started. Exactly. And, and all four of the letters within TIP, they all focus on that. They're all okay. physical in nature. So for example, the next letter, P, is for pace breathing. And so that's where you slow your pace of breathing down. So this is, you know, taking deep breaths, deep belly breaths, you know, breathing in from the abdomen, breathing out more slowly than you than you breathe in. Mm. So you can also do something called box breathing. You can just kind of Google that and you can even watch little videos of box breathing. You kind of watch a or draw a box with your finger and use that to follow your breaths. So there's different different ways you can do pace breathing, but that also will, will lower your heart rate and calm you down. Okay, so that's pace breathing, and then you said there's one more P. The next P is for progressive muscle relaxation. So this is another great one to look up on YouTube, or you can also probably find this on various mindfulness meditation apps like Calm or Headspace. Um, and here is just where you you tense all your muscles and then relax them. So you might actually start head to toe and just like one muscle group at a time, tense them and hold for five seconds and then let go. So the idea is that when you tense your muscle, you might already be tense, but by actively tensing them and then releasing, you can kind of notice the tension and notice that difference when you relax it. And that's tip. Okay. So again, we're going to do a quick recap here. So tip stands for temperature, which you said is like getting ice packs and putting them on your face or some ice or some really cold water. 
um, intense exercise, pretty self-explanatory, mm-hmm. paced breathing, and we talked a little bit about the box breathing, and then progressive muscle relaxation is the fourth one. Exactly. And and you're not going to do all four of these necessarily. I mean, you might want to, but you know, you might try the temperature one, you put your full face into cold water, and that calms you down, and then you're good. So mm-hmm. these are just four options, um, you know, and, and I always like to encourage my clients, like if one skill doesn't work, you try another one. So again, the idea here isn't that you're using all four of these skills when you're really elevated or you're really agitated. It's more like when you are on the lower end of the scale in terms of your agitation, the idea would be for, in this case, your kid or, or you, if you want to start modeling it, to try these out when you're only on like uh, at a two or three on the scale from one to 10 in terms of like your agitation level or your anger and finding which one really works the best for you. It's not like you have to run through all four of these when you're really upset. Right, exactly. All right, so we talked about tip, we talked about stop. Is is there anything else we need to know about those skills? Are you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, I think those are all great distress tolerance skills. So there are things that widen your ability to tolerate painful emotions, which, you know, painful emotions are part of life. So working on those skills at home and and modeling those skills and helping to facilitate them for your kids is is a really great way to, you know, improve their ability to tolerate difficult situations and emotions. But they don't work all of the time. So the thing about distress tolerance skills, though, is that they're good for widening your ability to tolerate distress, but they're not going to make you happy. So that's a really important thing too, actually, to, to note about them. So, you know, you might hear, well, I'm using the scale and I still feel upset. Okay, but you know, you're calming yourself down and that's really the point of distress tolerance skills like stop, tip, but to sort of facilitate that, you know, longer term happiness or increase happiness and improve relationships, we're gonna use some of the more complex skills. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. Next week, Dana and I are going to talk more about a few different skills parents can teach their kids that can really help increase their happiness over the long term. We'll see you next time.